if you've been with us over these weeks in the summer, we've been preaching through the book of Psalms. I remember as a kid, I was in little Bible drills and things where I had to find certain books of the Bible quickly, and I f- figured out Psalms, you just kind of open it up in the middle, and there it is. Now, it depends on how many maps you have or whatever, but why don't you see if you can find the book of Psalms? If you're looking at it on your phone, you just dial it up and go to Psalm 117. Uh, I usually say if you're looking at it on your phone, your neighbor's job is to make sure you're not, you know, doing Facebook or something like that, and uh, keep you fair here. We're at one hour together. Come on, we can focus on the scripture. So Psalm 117, right there in the middle. Now, this psalm is, in fact, the uh, shortest psalm in the Hebrew hymnal that we call the book of Psalms. It's only two verses, only about 17 words in the Hebrew language. Last week, Johnny preached the longest chapter in the Bible. This week, I'm preaching the shortest chapter in the Bible. You can decide which one of us, you know, made the best choice of uh, who can deal with it. I know I can deal with mine completely, and he couldn't, all right? So Psalm 117. Now, it's memorable because it's right, literally, this is the center of your Bible. This chapter is the very center, so you can remember it because it's right there. But it's memorable not just because it's the shortest and those interesting facts about it, but because it really is the center of God's heart. In in this chapter, we're going to read what is central to our Creator God and what is central to His people today called the church. Now, yesterday we stopped by uh, a restaurant near my house called Your Pie. I'm just, I usually don't do advertisements from the podium, but the owner-operator happens to be here this morning, Justin. And uh, if anybody comes today after church, you said they could eat free, right? If they, uh, <laughs> well, maybe he'll give you a gelato free, all right? And, and I wanted to bring it up because of that, because not only was the pizza good and the salad good, but he has this gelato that goes with it. And I'm on a diet trying to write down every calorie and all that. But when you, when you get that little ice creamy kind of stuff in a, in a very little cup, it came with a very little spoon, <laughs> just a little taster spoon. And usually I get the really big bowl and the really big spoon when I do ice cream at home, all right? But we had this little bitty cup and this little bitty spoon. And I'm telling you, even taking little bitty bites, I said, man, KK got one. And I said, all right, how many calories? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me one and two scoops, all right? And that stuff, little bites going an incredible way and As I was thinking about this psalm last night, I thought, it's just like that cup of gelato. I mean, it's it's little, but it is so sweet, and it is so tasty if we really get what's at the heart of it. So it's so small, we we can put it all up here on one screen, and you can see it all together, and we could actually 
read from one translation and we could we could all read it together so why don't we do that praise the lord all nations i meant like aloud okay so come on do it with me now praise the lord all nations glorify him all peoples for his faithful love to us is great the lord's faithfulness endures forever hallelujah say that last word one more time hallelujah some of you think you just went pentecostal on me right We need to know what this little central psalm says. So would you pray with me? Lord, we open this book with great reverence. We know that it really is the Word of God. We were reminded last week that in your Word we see who you are, and we we see our need for Jesus, and we see that Jesus came to change us. And so... We pray this morning that we could see that same thing, that we could see ourselves for who we are, and we could see you for who you are, and that we could see our need for Jesus to change us. So show us what's at the center of your heart. Show us what's at the center of your mission for the church, and we'll give you credit because you're the one that spoke to us. So speak to us, Lord, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For you are my rock, you are my strength, you are my redeemer. In Jesus' name, we wait, we listen, we pray. Amen. You know, as a kid, I grew up singing a little short song. We, we did it every Sunday, and I, I failed to even listen to the words. I just knew that when the or, organ changed chords and the offering was through taken up and the ushers were going to bring it back forward, I thought that's the purpose of the whole song, so the ushers could bring the offering back forward. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above all heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That short little doxology, some have speculated that this chapter, this this little two verses, might have actually been used in ancient Hebrew worship as a short little doxology. Not necessarily to bring the offering forward, but to start the service, to close the service. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Worship is seeing God for who he is. But when we see God for who he is, we see ourselves for who we are. And when we see ourselves for who we are in light of who he is, we said, oh God, something's got to give. I can't do life this way on my own. And so worship changes us, not because we impress God, but because we see who he is and he shows us himself. Praise the Lord. This word for praise is a word for us trying to acknowledge who he is. And this chapter is an invitation, a call to praise. Come together, people of God, praise the Lord. Now the word praise there comes from the root word hallel, and we saw it on the end there, hallelujah. That Hebrew word that means to shine light on it, to glorify 
That, that word that means that when we really respond, there's some kind of celebration going on in our heart. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah. Praise Yahweh. Praise the one who is the creator, covenant-keeping God. Now, for us, uh, we struggle maybe even saying the word hallelujah because we've heard people maybe use it wrongly in worship. But let me remind you that the word really is a transliteration of that worship word used here in the book of uh, Psalms in the Hebrew language. Now, have you ever noticed that when you listen to someone speaking another language, every now and then you hear a word you recognize and you go, hmm, maybe I'm learning that language. Just because they use a word that's the same way and you, you speak it in English and you use it the same way. Or maybe you're, you're listening along and you hear Aeroporto Internacional and you go, International Airport, man, I figured that out, you know. Or you hear Atlanta Bravas, okay, and you think, they just said Atlanta Braves, and I figured it out. Well, when you hear this word hallelujah, I want you to figure it out because I've had the chance to speak through interpreters in other countries, and when you come to the word praise the Lord, it's hallelujah. This word is a good global word for worship. People knowing that you, you can't really translate what it means to glorify and praise the Lord. Focusing on Him, lifting our hearts to Him, acknowledging Him for who He really is, celebrating Him. Now, we are Baptists. I don't know if you saw that in our name, you know. I know sometimes that brings a lot of baggage to people because they try to figure out, you know, Baptists as the Bible thumpers, those who, who have all the rules. But sometimes we, we put a name on something so we can say that's, we're not that, okay? And this morning I've made a couple of statements about Pentecostalism or those who, and I'm not in any way trying to put them down. But we think we need to avoid being too experiential because if we're too experiential, we just did something faking it in an hour and then we go out and live a different way. But when you really get to the heart of worship, I don't know that we should be as calm as we are. I, I don't know that we should be as sophisticated as we are. Now, I learned a long time ago when it comes to ball games, I can see them better on my television than I can in the stadium. I mean, maybe you're one that really likes the experience. I like the home experience a whole lot better. You know, I like to be able to hit pause if I want to. I like to let the halftime get over sometimes and turn off my phone so nobody bothers me and catch up, you know, on, on my, uh, what I've got recorded. But my grandson was here last year, and he wanted the experience of going, so he drugged me to a couple of games, all right? And one thing I noticed about being at the game is people who don't know each other somehow feel like they're in this thing together. And they get so excited when something goes on the field, they act like they all need to take credit for it, you know? Because they're, they're somehow causing it as fans. And 
I was really surprised. You know, just sometimes a, a first down that nobody expected anybody to make. Everybody's giving each other high fives. I don't even know these folks, you know. And they, I feel them almost hitting me in the back of the head. Okay, I'll give you a high five, right? This psalm is calling us to wake up in such a way that we have to celebrate who he is. And we have to celebrate, not passively, but interactively declaring he is worthy of our praise. This call to praise is so central because God so deserves it. We don't praise God because he needs it. He doesn't need it. He's self-sufficient. We praise him because we need it. We praise him because he deserves it. Now, notice in this little two-verse psalm, the call to praise and who is invited. Look at it. Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify him, all peoples. Now, when you hear the word nations, you have a tendency to think about countries on a map. But when you hear the word nations in the Bible, it's talking about ethnicity. For instance, I remember when we first went to war in Iraq. And CNN put up on the screen different sections of the nation describing the different people groups that live there. And they were trying to say, this is maybe one country, but you've got people here coming from all different perspectives. And then the same thing in Afghanistan. And you realize, who is killing the other people in Afghanistan? Sometimes it's the same Afghani nation, but a different people group, a different ethnicity, one killing another. The psalmist here calls us to see that the invitation from God is for all nations, for all peoples. Now, most of our school children are not in the room today, but they might say, Mom, I thought the word people was already plural. I mean, there's a person, and then there are people. What is this thing, peoples? Why is it plural? Well, the best way I can describe it is the word group is plural. If it's only one person, it's not a group, all right? But when you add more than one person, then you put them together, and that can be a group. But just like that same set called a group, there are groups, plural. Are you tracking with me? Now, the reason this is important is because when we read our Bibles, we need to see that God wants to be worshipped by all of the peoples, that is, all of the ethnicity, all of the languages on planet Earth. Now, it's interesting to me that this is in the Hebrew psalm, because 
the people of Israel really didn't get this. They struggled to understand it because they knew that God came to Abraham and said, I want you to be my special family. And through you, I'm going to bless all the peoples of the world. But what happened is over time, the people of Israel started thinking that God was blessing them because they were better than everybody else. And they deserved to be blessed. And God kept saying, you're missing it. I didn't bless you because you were better. I didn't bless you because you deserved it. I blessed you so that through you, I could bless everyone else. And did you notice the same principle in our lives today? He always blesses us to make us a blessing. He always blesses us so that we can announce his goodness to everyone else. And central to this passage is the idea that the Hebrew people must understand why they've been called to God. They had been called to him so that they could invite all of the nations to him. Now, why is that so important for us to get right? Because it's very easy on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, even though it's 1030 for us, all right? It's, it's very easy to gather in a church house and say, we are so blessed and kind of deep down thinking and God's blessed to have us you know because we are so good and we are so blessed and boy do we miss it because he hasn't blessed us because we were better he blessed us to make us a blessing to the whole world and central to that heartbeat and message to the church is an obvious application. There is no place for racism. There is no place for a superior race. There is no place in the gospel of Jesus Christ for one person to look at another person and say, I'm not like you, so I like people who are like me, and I don't like you. And so I want you to be like me, or I just don't want to be around you. The Scripture categorically condemns that. And the Scripture categorically promotes that the people of God invite the peoples of the world to worship him. It is so embedded in the gospel. Let me, let me show it to you in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans chapter 15, Paul is writing not to necessarily to a bunch of uh, Hebrews. He, he's writing to a bunch of Gentiles. And in the book of Romans chapter 15, I want you to notice that the very verse that, that we read a moment ago is quoted here in Romans 15. Let's pick up with it in chapter 15, verse 8. It says, I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised. The NIV says of the Jews. 
trying to give you the sense, the meaning of what he's talking about. That Christ became a servant of the circumcised, that is the Jews, on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers. Before we go on, uh, back it up one, one slide there. Thanks for being ready, Nick, but I wasn't ready, all right? The promises to the fathers? What's that all about? Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Isaac, I'm going to bless you. Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I want to remind you that threefold statement of the covenant of God was not because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were better than everybody else. But it's because in that statement, God is setting a path. He's pointing toward Christ, saying, I'm going to bless you and bless those who bless you. And through your seed, that is Jesus, all the peoples of the world will be blessed. Promising that he would send Christ at the center of time, that through Christ, all of the peoples would know how to worship. Now Paul is applying that to the Maybe I can say it this way to the impregnated way in which the gospel enters our heart, demanding that we let it give birth and come forth to show us that Christ came in us so that he could live through us so that God through us, God's truth on behalf of the promises made back to the fathers. Now I'm ready, Nick. All right. So that the Gentiles, now who are they? The ethnos. They are the nations so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy because it was mercy that called them and it's mercy that calls you, right? Do your head like this, all right? It's mercy that called you and it's mercy that moves us that God in his mercy as it is written. Where is it written? Old and New Testament. Old Testament, New Testament hasn't been written yet, right? Paul's quoting, as he's writing the New Testament, he's quoting the Old Testament. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praise to your name. Look at this next verse. Again it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord all you Gentiles. Let the peoples praise him. Do you know who Paul is quoting here in Romans 15, 11. He is quoting Psalm 117. That little bitty psalm that today we're trying to eat with that little bitty spoon. And we're trying to see what is it that God has at the center of his heart. Here's what's in his heart. He created us. He wants us to know him. And he made a way for us to know him through Jesus. So the psalmist, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes in this scripture the very character of God that we see demonstrated in the cross. The call to worship is for all people. The cause of our worship is right here in these two things found in verse 2. Look at them. For his faithful love to us is great. Let's read that again. Maybe you could read it out loud with me to make sure you're really getting it. For his faithful love to us is great. That's the first one. Here's the other side. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. 
So today I want us to look at his faithful love and his faithfulness right here side by side. What is this faithful love? In the Old Testament, God so often is referred to as one who is described by merciful kindness, by tender mercies. Mercy means God does not give us what we deserve. Now, you see, we can't get that right until we realize what we deserve. <laughs> I mean, when we really realize what we deserve, I, I love to explain it this way. Let's go down to the ocean and decide we're going to swim to England, all right? You ready? Let's all run off the shore and dive in. Somebody swims five yards. Somebody swims 50 yards. Somebody swims a mile. And we all die. Who's the deadest? Huh? We're all dead. And people look at God and say, well, at least, God, I'm better than he is. And God says, that's not the point. Well, at least I'm not acting like him. And God says, that's not the point. Look at me and look at you. And when you look at you in light of me, you can't make it, can you? And once we see what we deserve, we are moved to worship when we realize he gives us what we don't deserve. His merciful kindness, his faithful love toward us is great. Oh, the everlasting love of God. Oh, that reckless love of God that pursued me in a way that made no human sense. We worship him and we call others to worship him. For his faithful love to us is great. But look at that second part. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. What we have to recognize is God doesn't forgive us by saying, well, bless your little heart. You can't help it. God forgives us by saying, you can't do anything about it. So I will do it for you. His faithfulness is found in the cross. That's why the book of Romans earlier would say, God did not forgive them because of the shedding of blood of animals. But he looked forward to the day when Jesus would shed his blood so he could pass over the sins previously committed and now at this time be the one who makes us just and stay just himself. Do you realize when God forgives our sin, he doesn't change his holiness one bit? When God forgives our sin, he sees our holiness satisfied in Jesus. So his loving kindness that wants us and his Holiness that says, you can't come to me like that. Come together in the person of Jesus. Look how the gospel writer John wrote it. In John chapter 1, look what he said. When he's talking about the coming of Christ, 
He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was himself God. And then he said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Full of steadfast love that never ends and faithfulness that never changes. Do you see how that's Jesus? He is God's holiness and righteousness and love and mercy come together. John goes on, and I think it's down in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. And Psalm 117 says, His grace, we worship Him for that. And His truth, we see that satisfied in Jesus. So today, I want to ask you, as we come to the end of this time, I want to ask you, are you moved to worship when you see who Jesus is and what he did? And does your being moved to worship move you to see other people a different way? Some of you know that I used to work full-time for the International Mission Board. I had the privilege during those years to come alongside missionaries and to learn about the people they were trying to reach all over the world. I had the privilege to travel a lot of places, see a lot of things. I remember one time I was in India with a couple of pastors. We were waiting on our ride, and we were outside the hotel waiting, and I looked across the street, and there was an old man. At that time, I thought he was really old. I guess today I would think he was just a little older, you know. Uh, That was a joke. Some of you will get it, all right? Uh, But I saw this old man, and he took his robe-like stuff and he wrapped it around and he knelt down I'm not going to get down like he did because I wouldn't be able to get back up but he, he knelt down he took a stick and the water which was really the sewer was coming down the side of the road he took a stick and he stuck it in there and he brushed his teeth with that stick and I looked at him and thought That's all he knows. That's all he can figure out. But then I turned around and looked, and one of the pastors was leaning up against the car. And he was weeping. It was his first time to leave the United States, so taking him to Calcutta was, you know, pretty hard, all right? And so he was weeping. And I walked over to him, and I said, so what are you thinking? He said, that could be me. That could be my father. That could be my granddad. That could be me. I said, so what does that make you want to do? He said, it makes me want to go home and quit acting like stuff's so important. 
quit thinking about titles and materialism and to realize that I've been blessed. And with my blessing becomes a responsibility to be a blessing to others. And when I read Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations. Glorify him, all you peoples, for his faithful, incredible mercy and love endures forever. And his faithfulness to his character and to his holiness endures forever. And he brought love and mercy and holiness together in Jesus and invited me to know him. And I'm supposed to tell others who he is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So would you bow your heads and see if looking at others who know him and yet looking at others who need him can your heart be moved to praise the Lord? Lord, you've blessed us, and we know it. And we have a responsibility in our blessing to take a little spoon. And take a little bite on these really big words. And let our hearts be turned to you. So we pray that by coming in this room and opening up your word. That your spirit has convinced us that you want us. And your spirit has convinced us that you want us to represent you and tell others about you. So we praise you. And we want you to be praised among the nations. Forgive us, Lord, for being self-centered. Forgive us for at times for being threatened by people who are not like us and running away and hiding in a shallow self-centeredness. And move us, Lord, we pray, into a world that's desperately in need of love. In Jesus' name we pray.